Alright, hello everyone and welcome back to Strictly Hip Hop. As always, I'm your host Chris Platty, at Real Chris Platty on Twitter, that's C-H-R-I-S-P-L-A-T-T-E. If you don't know how to spell real, don't follow. Just kidding, that's the, that's the catchphrase. I am joined by rapper Drew Parks, formerly Drew32. Drew, how you doing, man? Doing good, man. Thanks for having me on. No problem, no problem. So um, before we get into hip hop, I know you're a big sports guy, always referencing it in your music. Yeah, uh, yeah. tweeting about it uh nba is your number one sport right uh basketball is my number one sport for sure i mean i grew i grew up playing basketball and uh you know middle school high school um stuff like that yeah so I, i've definitely been trying to follow the nba uh as much as i can especially since the pistons are doing a lot better these past few years <laughs> so oh, yeah. i've been following yeah there yeah. was a time period where i was like you know what let me let me look into you know <laughs> let me start watching soccer <laughs> you know what i mean like but now, now that the Pistons seem, you know, like they're back, I got to, you know, I got to watch. I got, of course, I got to support my homie Dre. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that, that's dope. <clears throat> um, you know, I, I grew up from around the St. Coast Shores area of Michigan. So, and I know you're, you're Royal Oak. So, we're both kind of not Detroiters, but rep Detroit, of course. Um, you right, know, support right. Detroit. Uh, yeah, so you kind of spoke on it. Um, you got a good friendship with Andre Drummond. How did, how did that come about? It's so like the most random thing ever. I um, we actually met um, on Twitter, kind of like how I met, you. <laughs> how I met you. The the power of the internet, man. I swear. Yeah. So he, it was his rookie year, and um, I just I was going to a game. I was going to like a Laker game or something, Pistons versus Lakers, and I don't know what compelled me to do it, but I just like shot a tweet out, and I was like, "Yo, about to go watch this Lake Pistons versus Lakers." Like Andre Drummond's about to you know, about to body the Lakers or something. I, and I tagged him. <laughs> and then he must have seen I was verified on Twitter or something, and he just followed me back. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay, cool. I didn't think anything of it. And then, like, a few days later, he was – at the time, he was always doing all these vines. And yeah. um, and he was wearing – and one of his vines, he was wearing this one hat. Um, it was the, uh, made by a company called The Faded Penguin, who I went to high school with those guys. So – I was like, oh, dang, like, he's repping the Faded Penguin. Like, that's crazy. Like, I know them. Like, that's my friend. You know what I mean? Right. So I DM'd him, and I was like, oh, damn, like, how do you know them? Like, you know, sh you know, that's that's my people, whatever. And he hit me back, and he was just clowning, like, yo, I love penguins, bro. Like, you know, like, he's just <laughs> like, because he's silly, man. Yeah. So a after that, we just ended up, like, just exchanged information, and then we just, like, kicked it a few times. And then um, ever since then, we've just been cool. Um and like you know, it seems like during the season it's always hard to get get a hold of this dude because he's just so busy, whatever. But yeah. um, it seems like during the you know summertime, like we we always hang out, like just KK, like I don't know. And then like these the past few years, uh, he started getting into DJing. Like I always knew he loved music, and he started DJing. Um, and like a couple times he like invited me, he was like, he hit me up. He was like, yo, Drew, I'm DJing at this club, whatever. <laughs> I'm not right. going to name drop in these places, but so I would show, I was like, okay, cool. So I like show up to like, you know, see him DJ. And, uh, and then it was, it was actually pretty dope. So I was like, damn, like, I didn't even know that you were trying to get into music. So I was like, yo, like, you know, I do music. Like, obviously <laughs> like we like, let's collaborate. Let's do something together, whatever. So um, he was like, yeah, for sure. So next thing you know, like we kind of just got in the studio and started working on some stuff. And uh, you will see. I'm not going to, you know, I, I don't want to tease it too much, but we have something in the in the works. 
um, coming soon. So, man, that's dope. That's dope. Um, yeah, I remember you guys because um, I'd been like like we said before on air before we got on air that I'd been following you for a minute, and um, I remember when you and Drummond used to do those vines all the time. You know, back when <laughs> yeah. Vine was a thing. And back back when Vine was a thing, right? Exactly. And how times have changed. Uh, what do you think <laughs> of the Pistons this year? I like them. I like us a lot. You know, I was actually worried because I really, really liked KCP, and then yeah, when we when he left and now he's in LA, like I was really worried. But Avery Bradley's been playing crazy. Um, everybody's just been playing really hard. Reggie seems like he's back and healthy again. Andre's playing like amazing. Last night he hit twenty six and twenty twenty two. I'm sorry, twenty six and twenty two against the Celtics. So. It was just like it seems like everybody this year has a different mentality and like everybody's hustling, everybody's like uh, really focused. So I mean, it shows in our record. So I'm really excited about the Pistons this year. I don't know if we'll end. I mean, I don't, hopefully we can keep this going. But uh, I know, I know for sure. Like you know, last year was kind of like a little bit disappointing, but this year it seems like we're really on the right track and have a bright future ahead of us. Yeah, man, I'm I'm with you on the KCP thing. I was a big KCP guy, but you know when I when I looked at the the acquisition of Avery Bradley, I'm like, okay. To me, Avery Bradley was KCP's ceiling. So like to me, we kind of just you know we kind of we kind of upgraded. Like we got we got the ceiling of I think what KCP could have been. So right. so I was I was cool with that. But anyways, we're here to talk hip hop and then talk about sure. your career. So. Uh, yeah, in prep, in prep for this podcast, um, you know, I, I, um, I told you, I told you this before we went on air. I, I had to catch up on your last project, away, away we go on all streaming services. Um, and so I was listening to Dreams, which I now think is my favorite track of yours, by the way. So oh, everyone, nice. everyone should go uh, peep that. That was some, that was some really good storytelling. Thank you. And baby. um, I heard you talk about your like heavy love for Detroit and hip hop and um. So are you still like heavily following the Detroit scene or, or not as much? Um, Cause it was kind yeah. of a different era that, you know, when you were coming up, you know, that's at, at least how, how you talked about it in the track. So I was wondering yeah, if you kind of still stay up to date on Detroit hip hop or no. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely trying to stay up to date as much as I can. Like right now I've been listening to Sam Austin's he just dropped a, a dope project called angst. Um, my homie Nolan, the ninja, he uh, is always dropping stuff, and I went to college with him. We went, both went to OU, and uh, so I'm I'm definitely, and he's like kind of like, kind of buzzing a little bit right now. So like I'm I'm definitely trying my best to stay up to date, and you know I'm friends with some of these guys too, um, that are that are doing a lot of doing a lot of dope stuff. So um, I'm not I can't say I'm like super following every like when I was first starting to rap and first starting to come up like. I mentioned it in that in that verse like I was mentioned I think I mentioned KDZ stretch maybe I mentioned stretch money I don't even remember but um like that was Detroit hip hop at that moment like yeah. I was listening to Royce um who I still was my you know still probably my favorite rapper right now yeah one of my um, favorites ever like yeah ever. for sure so that that was kind of like the era that I was coming up in whatever and now there's like kind of a new wave of uh, of artists from Detroit making a lot of noise and I, you know, of course I support it and I'm trying, you know, playing it, you know what I mean? I got my Spotify premium yeah. <laughs> and I'm playing everything. So yeah, man. Yeah, man. That's dope. And uh bar exam four, by the way, is incredible this year. Um, I'm so confused how he has that on, how he has it like 
on Spotify and like Apple Music. Like he's just rapping over other people's beats. Like yeah, I, I no. thought that like how did that work? But whatever. Man. It's dope. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right. So um according to Wikipedia, so I tried to do my research before the podcast. <laughs> um so you know, Wikipedia's not the greatest source, so I'm looking to you to confirm this. Um yeah. it says you started your career at age ten. Like, is this true? How do you even start like pursuing a career that young? Well, basically, to take it all the way back, I um, when I was around that age, I I was like, you know, of course, being that young, I was like listening to like Lil Bow Wow, you know what I mean? Right. And uh, but like my my dad had noticed that I was like rapping every single lyric of every single song to Lil Bow Wow like really well, like <laughs> you know what I mean? And at that time, I was ten years old when like nine eleven happened, and he was my dad was actually just like kind of very uh affected by you know what happened that day and he like wrote a poem so at like it just coincidentally was around the same time that he noticed that i was starting to like rap and stuff so he kind of decided hey it would be why don't you know it'd be cool if drew rapped this poem that i wrote basically so we did that and initially it was just like recorded at like on this little device I don't even, it was like a four track recorder or whatever that he had bought. And then um, we went, we ended up going to a studio and like did it professionally. And the song was called Pray for Peace. Hopefully you cannot find it on the internet <laughs> because it sounds like, I, you know, I sound like I have a baby voice. Right. But um, that was the first like exposure that I had to being in a recording studio. And I absolutely like fell in love with that whole experience. So afterwards, I, basically begged him to get me, you know, some cheap recording software and I started breaking my own beats. And by the time I was like 14, I had like produced uh, an album and put it out. Um, that was called Awakening. And then it was just kind of off to the races from there. I just started like making music, got Pro Tools and then um, got linked up with my manager. And then we just started, it just started like all going from there. I mean, I can tell you the whole story, um, but Oh, and by the way, so there's also, I don't know if you know in Detroit hip hop, do you know who King Gordy is? Heard the name, can't say I okay, know the so, work. Yeah, King Gordy was part of the, uh, I want to say he was part of the Fat Killers, whatever. Um, the I take, I want to amend my story by saying the actual first time I was in the studio was I had, I just had gotten taken to the studio 54 Sound, which was like where Eminem recorded at the time. And King Gordy was there. Who King Gordy is? I don't know if you if you if you've seen Eight Mile. He's the dude with that's like being interviewed on JLB in the movie Eight oh. Mile, and they're like, and they're like and he and Eminem's like in that back room getting in that argument because they, his girl was sleeping with the other dude. I don't know. You know what I'm talking about yeah, in the yeah. movie? Yeah. Okay. So King Gordy was the one that's being interviewed. I think by Bushman, whatever. But um, he at that time was really like popping and had like a um, had an album that he was getting ready to drop, I want to say with Interscope, I'm not sure. And the first time I was, I was in the studio, I like, they needed a little kid's voice. Like they saw me walk in, they were like, hey, we need you to be on, we need you to be on this song. So I recorded vocals. I remember I was like, I said something like, he's a phenomenon or something um, on a King Gordy track. And I don't even know if that song made it to the album, but that was the first time I was actually on recorded uh you know recorded on wax basically <laughs> man that's dope so 
So you're telling me your first two performances were Ghost Rope, one by your pops, one by King Cory. Yeah, exactly. I, I had a diverse uh, diverse writing staff for me. <laughs> All right. So um, you mentioned dropping the album. So real quickly, um, again, I haven't been able to find this album, uh, which you yeah, seem to be totally okay been, with. Yeah, no, I'm totally fine with with the first few part. You know, first few of my works not being on the internet. I have take. I have definitely tried taking them off. I'm pretty sure I got. I wiped everything. I think you might still be able to find Awakening somewhere. Uh, I, don't I know. well, I did so. Um, okay. So so that was. I'm not mad at it. That that was hip hop, right? Or R and B? Like, yeah, yeah, tell yeah. me, tell me a little something about the album. That was hip hop. It was. Um, I mean, <laughs> I haven't listened to it in so long. I'm trying to like think about it right now. It was okay for someone who was like 13 when I recorded it, and 14 or whatever when it came out. It's actually pretty impressive if you look through it, look at it at, through that lens. Through like that this lens, is a 13 yeah. year, this is the 13 year old kid. You know what I mean? Making yeah. all the beats, recording everything. I didn't mix it. We had we had somebody else mix it. Um, but if you look at it through that lens, it's pretty dope. But like now, looking back, I'm like, okay, this is really pretty elementary. But <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's hip hop. It was uh, there was a few funny skits on there. I remember there was uh, there was one song that I actually uh, that is actually pretty dope called Lockdown. That was like the single, mm-hmm. and uh, I at the time I entered this one like Detroit. It was called the Spotlight Detroit Talent Contest, and it was actually one of the judges for the talent contest, whatever, was Swifty McVeigh from D12. Oh, damn. And, um, and I ended up, I performed Lockdown, and I performed a few other ones. Um, and I, in my age group, whatever, there was like a teen and then an adult, I think, and I won the whole contest and got to perform at the uh, Ribs and Soul Festival I want to say what I think it was the Ribs and Soul Festival at at uh, at Hart Plaza, um, in Detroit, which is like that's where they have, you know, for those who don't know what Hart Plaza is, that's where they have like the whole movement festival in Detroit, like the electronic festival. Um, so it's a big stage. It's, it's where they do the fireworks and everything. Like, um, so that was like one of my first performances as well. But that was I did the song Lockdown was from that first album. Yeah. Yeah. I had an interesting start. <laughs> yeah, man. Interesting for sure. One thing I find interesting, as someone who has a podcast, and I've been in love with podcasts for years, um, I started this podcast like six years ago now, pretty much. Uh, started or five years ago, my senior year of high school. Um, and so I looked up, and again, I was doing research, and it said you had a podcast in 2008. Like, Yo, how, yes, how, I how, did. Because that was like six years before podcasts were even close to a thing. I'm so mad at myself. Like this is this is actually one of my biggest like failures as an artist. I had a podcast. This is I. This is all started because I don't know if you remember this, but do you remember when Mike Posner first dropped his first like mixtape or whatever? It was called. Uh, it was called. Um, it had the big single on it too. What was that called? Um, cooler than me. It was yeah. yeah, it had cooler than me, but not the. It was the one with Big Sean on it, like the original version of Cooler Than Me. Anyways, oh. that was when he. That was when he was first. It was like his first project that he dropped, and he was still at Duke, and he somehow got his album on iTunes, like underneath 
the like Duke education, like there was like a section for like uh, teaching or something that Duke had like in the iTunes store. And I think a lot of different universities had this. It was kind of like for students, like you could go download, listen to lectures, but somehow he finessed it and had his, had his album like in the Duke, like on the Duke iTunes store, whatever. And I was like, holy crap, like how the hell did he do this? Because, you know, he probably didn't want to release it officially. Like maybe it had samples or whatever, but, and it was a free download. That was the coolest thing. That was the first time I saw somebody like release a free album that that was on the iTunes store. So I was like, how the hell is he doing this? So I did a bunch of Googling and researching and stuff. And I kind of found out about podcasts. So I decided I'm going to, whenever I, you know, whenever I release a song, I'm going to put it on a podcast. I think I called it the Drew 32 music podcast. And, um, I put out songs on a podcast and at the time I was doing a lot of remixes and the cool thing about a podcast, I was just putting a song on there and like you could download, you know, obviously you can listen to podcasts for free. Yeah. So that was the most enticing thing as an independent artist and someone trying to make a name for themselves. Like it's hard to sell, you know, 99 cent downloads when people have never heard of you before. But if they can get it for free, then they're more open to, you know, checking it out. So I started putting music on this podcast. I think I put a couple albums worth of material on there. And then I also started putting some remixes on there. At the time, Tiesto, like the biggest music podcast was Tiesto. And I think Tiesto's still, Tiesto's Club Life, whatever, still is a top, you know, for a music podcast. I don't know how what it is now. I haven't been following. But that was like the number one at the time. And I started putting, I did my headlines remix. Um... And there was a couple other remixes I did at the time. And I just named it. I was like, you know, I was being like, you know, the ultimate struggle rapper. And I just named it the song. Like I did Drake headlines, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> you know I, I mean? remember that song. I, I yeah. remember listening to that song. You did a video for that too, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was so dope. when when you searched it on the iTunes store, like when you were actually listening, looking for Drake headlines, like my song popped up in the podcast, <laughs> in the podcast section for free. So my podcast started getting thousands of subscribers to the point where I was top 10 music or top five podcasts, whatever, in the music section. Um, and it was like crazy. And then I just, I never like continued with it. I don't know why. Like, I have no idea what went through what I was going through. But I didn't have a podcast in this sense where it was like talking or interviews. It was right. just me putting my music up there for free. Wow, that is a, that is the ultimate finesse. Um, it was the ultimate finesse, and I don't know. I, it was like I don't know. I'm really disappointed in myself that I did not keep that going. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, look, that was six years before like podcasts were were even like that was six years before podcasts were like three years away from being popular. Like you were right, exactly. You exactly. were damn near like a decade ahead of the trend. Like that's crazy. Um, yeah. So so then in 2009. So this is a year later. Um, you know, and I'm sure it's around the same time. Uh, how long did you keep the podcast going for? Well, actually, that sounds 2008 sounds a bit early for when maybe I started. Maybe I started the podcast. then. Yeah, I don't even know. But I didn't really it didn't start popping until like I like I said, when I dropped the headlines thing, which was okay, like, which was like 2010 ish. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. I, mean, yeah, I think 2011. I, yeah, maybe it might have even been 2011. Yeah. Yeah. So in 2009, you drop a mixtape hosted by Pauly D of Jersey Shore. Like, (laughs) yeah, looking back at it, it's kind of funny. But yeah, it it was. So 
I'll explain that really quick. So I had a I had a mixtape worth of material and basically my man at the time Jersey Shore was like the biggest thing. It was like well, I'll take that back. It, they had just did like the first season or whatever. Right. And it was like really buzzing. And, you know, of course, like I checked it out because like everyone was talking about it. And I was like, this dude is a DJ, like on the show. Like that's kind of <laughs> interesting. So my manager was like, yo, we should get him to like host a mixtape. Like that would be crazy. So uh, when he was in town, um, he like, cause he was like, I don't know if he was touring or I don't know what he was doing. Like during the off season or whatever of when they weren't filming the show, but he was like in Detroit, he was in Pontiac for some event. And, uh, and we basically got him to, you know, we explained everything, played him a few songs, whatever. And then like, he agreed to like do a bunch of drops for the mixtape. And he was like, yeah, you can use it, whatever. So he basically did a bunch of these drops, recorded the, recorded the audio <laughs> and, uh, and you spliced them and put them on, you know, throughout the mixtape. And, you, you know, he basically helped, you know, quote unquote, hosted the mixtape, which was kind of, was, it was just, it was one of those things that like at the time it was like, so it was just us trying to, you know, hustle and and uh and find the most creative ways to get people to you know find out about the music basically right that's dope that's dope um so you mentioned like having a manager and everything what did like the whole manager slash like kind of business aspect when did it change from just kind of making music to you know having a manager and everything um i would say well i met my manager mark in like 2009 um yeah i would i would say kind of like around 2009 2010 okay. because i was like making music but it wasn't i didn't know necessarily how to release it i didn't have any connections to like djs or radio stations whatever but like once i started like working with our manager and we started putting stuff out like um i had a single at the time called beyond me that was like a pop single and um he kind of introduced me to a bunch of the, you know, the DJs um, on Channel 955 in Detroit and um, JLB. And yeah. so that that kind of like was my introduction to the Detroit kind of like club scene a little bit. And they were playing my, like this was like I was like 17 or 18 at the time. I think I just turned 18 and they were playing. Um, they were playing my song like before I was even going to the tonic, you know what I mean? The 18 and up clubs, whatever. Right. So I was like, I think I had a line on one of my songs. Uh, I was get, I was in the club before I was was old enough to get in the club. I don't even know. <laughs> Anyways, but uh, it was kind of like that. That was kind of like the time where that was my introduction to Detroit, uh, the Detroit like radio scene kind of. And then now I've, I've become close friends with a lot of those guys. So um, that's kind of when it all started happening for me. We did a music video for that song and. Um, I think we got it on like Fuse TV or something um, on demand. Fuse on demand TV, um, something like that. So that was kind of like how it, when everything kind of started off. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Um, so like in 2011, you cut you dropped the Burn Project, which is kind of right before I I I got into you and found you. Um, yeah. And uh, this is I imagine around the same time you're meeting all the 955 people and everything. And, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, you get the, you get the feature with Royce for, uh, spaz out and, um, 
and that was the same year he collaborates with M. So I mean, uh, so did you did did you make I that? I got crazy stories. I have crazy okay. stories. So yeah, go so for it. So I got the I got the Royce feature because my manager Mark used to manage D12, and he's cool with like Royce's manager, and he, you know he knows Royce of course from like back in the day, back in like the inception of Shady Records and all that stuff back in the day because he was managing D12. So, um. I had the song Spaz Out. Of course, I always was a huge Royce fan. I had this Spaz Out song, and I was like, yo, like, let's let's get Royce or whatever. And at the time, the funny thing is, like, I knew Royce's um, engineer. Well, the, one of his engineers, at least. Uh, my whole, I'm not even going to say his name because I don't want to expose people. But <laughs> but I would actually record at, um, at the same studio Royce did for, like, many years like some before i really like i was going back and forth recording stuff some stuff at my house and some stuff some stuff i would go to the studio so i actually met royce a few times just going like in and out of the studio like i would just happen to see him he was leaving his session i'm going to my session mm-hmm. stuff like stuff like that so um and he did a drop for me uh one time i like ran into him outside of a club or something and he like we took a picture and he did like a drop for me so he knew who I was, whatever, and my manager knew his management and stuff. So we did the song together, and like right after we did the song, um, he, like, like a couple days later, I was having it mixed, and my homie played me. So this is the same the engineer that that uh that recorded Royce, whatever. He's like, "Yo, um, I want to play you something," and I was like, "Okay, dope." I take that back. This wasn't a week later. This was like a couple of months later. And he goes, I want to play you something. I go, okay, dope. And he plays me this track and I hear like, of course I hear Eminem rapping and then I hear Royce rapping and there's no hook on it or anything. It's just like an empty hook. And I was like, damn, this is sweet. I was like, who's going to be on the hook? And they were like, and he goes, Bruno Mars is about to be on the hook. And I was like, I was like, oh shoot. And then like legit a month later, it was like, that was like lighters and it was like number one on the charts everywhere and i was like holy like it was crazy to be able to hear it before it came out um without even bruno on it um which was kind of sweet and i hope i don't i'm not getting him in trouble or anything by because people you know what i mean like i don't want it to be like oh he leaked it to me but i did hear it which was sweet um and uh, that's that's nothing new people kind (laughs) of people kind of play records around all the time so you know, as long yeah. as you're not the one dropping it, you're good. Right, exactly. <laughs> but, hey, it still went number one, so <laughs> don't blame me. Yeah, shit, shit. It still had its number, so, you know. Yeah, and we good. were able to get Royce at that time, like, to be on my song. It was, like, right before he signed with uh, Shady again. Yeah. Like, they had just, he was doing the Slaughterhouse. I think he. I think Slaughterhouse had released that independent album mm-hmm. before they signed to Shady. It was like right around that time, and we caught it like right before he signed to Shady. Yeah, so it was dope. That was a dope, interesting time too, because um, I'm sure you're aware of this. Like, you know, Em and Royce kind of had their 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 kind of situation and everything. So like, yeah, Bad Meets Evil was like them. You know, that was like they made up and they got back together, and then that's when they made Bad Meets Evil. So that was that was a really interesting time because I remember. You know, I obviously wasn't, like, heavy into the industry at that time because I'm, like, a freshman in high school. And so, you know, I don't know everything. But, you know, going back and, like, doing doing the research, like, if you were to put what I know now 
back in 2000, like 10, 2009, like you would not have expected that kind of pro that project to happen. Right. Of, well, you know, like, especially everything. knowing though, I don't know. Did you ever watch that beef video on YouTube? It was like D12 versus Royce 59. There was like this beef video. I'm sure it's still on YouTube. Yeah. But, and that, that will give a lot of insight into <laughs> yeah. what everything went down. And, um, it was like, Royce was releasing disc records. He would, you know, he did that uh, "I'll Shit on You" <laughs> remix yeah. or whatever. I don't know if you've heard of it. Heard it, but like that was kind of going on before, you know, uh, you know, in the years prior to me getting with Royce. But I was always like a huge fan of Royce. Of course, I love D12 too, and I love Eminem. But it was like Royce was to me number one, yeah. um, and still and still is for sure to this day. Yeah. So uh, that was like a legendary moment in my career that I definitely am thankful for that I was able to snag a Royce verse. <laughs> yeah, man, hopefully, that's... hopefully I will be able to get another one again sometime soon. Hopefully. Yeah, shit, man. Know. He's really, really come. Like, I think personally, not to get too off topic here, but I think like as far as an artist goes, I think he's never been better than where he's at now. Like he is he is like the growth he's had this late in his career is amazing. Like, I think that's true too, but I also think that people that have were also he was also like the most slept on artist. He was, ever. he was. That like, he was. Bar exam one. Yeah. Like is ten years old, and <laughs> yeah. like, I I was saying Royce was the best from since the bar exam one, right. which is like so I I think people are just now noticing it kind of, and it's yeah. like, I don't know. I guess that's just like the planets align, the stars align, whatever. And this yeah. is his kind of time where people are like, oh damn, Royce is dope. And he's kind of probably thinking like, man, I've been dope. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, man. But, um, yeah, and and you guys had um, other collabs on label me on the label me mixtape and you know so forth. Um, so twenty twenty twelve. This is kind of when I found your music. Um, you know, I'll get into that a little bit later. But um, your last mixtape burn started to get you buzz from like MTV, Double XL, Billboard magazine, all these other sites, and. You released the Label Me mixtape hosted by the legend uh, DJ Ski. And you have this song on there, I Am King with John Connor. Again, um, yeah. John Connor is like is literally my fourth favorite artist of all time. Like John Connor, <laughs> I'm, I'm a stan for John Connor. Like he's he's dope. Um, you know, you I need to go tell him to drop that flint. Vehicle drop City, that bro. Album, bro. I, man, I talk about it too damn much on this podcast. Like. <laughs> It won't. It'll be an album review of Kodak Black, and I'll be like, "Man, I wish that Vehicle City came." Like, it'll be on right. the most randomest thing. But yeah, so you guys have the song "I Am King," and see, becomes, I got a whole story on that too. Yeah. I have a whole. I have. Yeah, because the song really, of first take and everything. So tell me how that happened. So, to take it all the way back yet again, <laughs> I was back in like, back when I was like fifteen or something. I don't even know when MySpace was. I'm trying to think how old was I when I when MySpace was out. But at that same time, like I started doing uh, when MySpace was like really popping. I wanted to have a really 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 cool looking MySpace profile. And at the time, Sean Kingston had this like incredible looking MySpace profile. And I was like, damn, how do I get my MySpace profile to look this sweet? <laughs> so I started like teaching myself a little bit of HTML coding. And like at the time, like I didn't know what I was doing, but like I started getting pretty decent at like customizing profiles and stuff and I got so good that people started hiring me to design their pages so I actually did Royce's page 
Damn. He probably does not even know that I did this, but I designed Royce's MySpace page way back, and then subsequently I designed some dude named John Connor's MySpace, who I had no idea who he was at the time. Yeah. And I just remember, and I remember his name was John Freeman. Like, I had his name saved <laughs> in my phone, not as John Connor. I had it as John Freeman. So, um, like, years passed now, and I, you know, and I find out, like, now he's buzzing. Now he's like John Connor. I'm like, holy crap. You know, I wonder if he even knows who I am. So I was at South by Southwest in Texas, and I had a couple shows or whatever, performances down there. And he, that's when he was, like, at the peak of his, like, he had just dropped. Um, the Eminem tape, just, right? He had dropped the the one, the, uh, the Vinny Chase, uh, the second Vinny Chase one or whatever. Uh, you know what I'm talking season about? Season two? What was that? Season two. It was season two, but then he had a mixtape too that was around that time. Season oh. two wasn't season two the album or no? No, season Salvation was the album. Or oh, so, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. both of those. He had dropped season season two and and Salvation. That was okay, what it was. okay, gotcha. And yeah. he was down at South by Southwest. He had like a hundred people with him. They all had these signs, like Blue City Club, like <laughs> all this. It was like he took over South by Southwest, and I like bumped into him. Because you couldn't miss him. Like, it was like 100 people down the block, like, yeah. all yelling Blue City Club. So I go to him. I was like, yo, John, I was like, I don't know if you remember me, but I'm Drew32. I designed your MySpace. He was like, Duh. like, he went crazy as soon as I introduced myself. Yeah. He was like, dude, what's up, man? Like, how are you? Whatever. And uh, we just, like, exchanged information. And, um, and then, so then fast forward now, I did the song I Am King. And... I was like, man, like, I wonder if John would get on this. Like, cause I just, you know, now I just ran into him at South by Southwest and he was like really buzzing. So, um, we basically reached out. I had his information and, um, and he was down. So, and he, he like killed the verse. Like, um, so that was kind of how that happened. That one, we didn't actually get in the studio together. That one he, we did over the internet, but, um, he came in town to do the video and we kind of like did this, cra it was like this crazy, uh, like a lot of different like animation effects. Yeah, it had that um like kinetic typography type stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. he sh like shot it in front of a green screen and stuff, and we were that was um done on my side of town, and then um and then we basically kind of just were really really promoting it, really promoting the song and um promoting like the video, and we were able to get the video onto MTV not jams it was like mtv uh mtvu we got onto mtvu and um and then we got a call or we got an email from this dude it was like something something at espn.com and we were like what the heck like, who is this whatever and apparently this guy who worked for espn had seen the song on on uh mtvu and wanted to license it to use on espn and he asked if we had any other songs you know as well so we sent like three or four songs over and that ended up being in first on first take for like two months or something. Um, yeah, it was playing. there for a minute. Yeah. And then they, like, a, like a year later, we sent them a few other songs and they did like some more. So that was like a super cool look. Um, I got a lot of I got a lot of uh, people like did that discovered my music through through the first take uh, platform. Yeah, man, because that was when it just started to pop, too. Like, that was when it was really, really, like, hitting its stride. Um, Dude, like, I, they even had a show at the, I don't know, I forgot what year it was. It must have been 2012, but they did, 
uh, or no, it must have been 2013 or something. I don't even. Anyways, they it was like whatever, whenever Super Bowl Sunday was, they did like an episode of First Take on Super Bowl Sunday, mm-hmm. and they played I Am King on Super Bowl Sunday, and I I remember I just like lost my mind. I was like, <laughs> holy crap! Like that's amazing. Yeah. Um. So that's, yeah, crazy. that's pretty cool. Um. Okay. So kind of off topic, but ties in just to get just to get kind of a sense of the time here. So um. You know, like on Label Me, I remember, I remember Label Me hearing a lot of QTI. I don't know which is your label, Quarter to Infinity, um, yeah. and I don't. Was that around the time you launched it? Was it launched before? Like when was QTI formed? Technically, when I when I first put out stuff, like when I was, like I mentioned, when I was like fourteen years old, like right. we you had to have like. Uh, Whenever you distribute um, music, kind of, you kind of need to have like a label or like a name that you put it out as, whatever. Okay. Like, I don't know if you notice, like, on um, if you go on iTunes and you go to a song or go to a single or an album, whatever, on the left hand side, usually it says like copyright 2017 Interscope Records or whatever right, it is. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So at the time when I first started releasing everything, we just called this, we had the company was called 32 Music Entertainment. And then uh, we changed it and did like a doing business as kind of name thing uh change it to quarter to infinity entertainment because i had a song i basically did like a few mixtapes with dj mo beats Mm -hmm. this was like before i really this was like leading up to me putting out my first single this is way before label me i did a few mixtapes with dj mo beats yeah who is big sean's dj yeah but this was like right before he started like going on tour with big sean and everything so um one of the songs on there I forgot what the song was titled now. I can't even think of my own song. But I had a line that was like, I'm before my time like I'm... I, I said something like, I'm before my time like it's a quarter to infinity or something like that. And I just thought it was cool and clever or whatever. So we just decided to... When we needed to... When when I thought it was... When I thought the name 32 Music Entertainment was getting kind of corny, I was like, let's change the whole thing to quarter to infinity. Um, And then that's kind of how that whole started. So it wasn't really... There wasn't like a hard launch date or anything like that it just kind of slowly turned into quarter to infinity i would say okay okay dope so um over the next two years after label me you get you release another mixtape and and get uh the batch and uh you get these performance gigs so in 2013 um you perform at the official after party of jay-z and justin timberlake then a year later or, or then later that year you you open for Kendrick at the Fillmore, and this is uh this is his Good Kid, Mad City tour. This is 2013, um, right uh, about a year after he released it, and then in yeah. 2014 you have the you perform at the official after party of Eminem and Rihanna. So my question yeah. is, which of those performances, when when they were booked, were you most like, oh my god, I can't believe this is actually happening? Because I mean, Kendrick um, was like peak. That that was like. Kendrick I think was the a Kendrick superstar one. at that point. And then, there, of course, Emma and Jay-Z are Emma and Jay-Z, and Rihanna and Justin Timberlake are Rihanna yeah, and Justin yeah. Timberlake. So. I think the Kendrick one, just because like I knew – so the Eminem and Rihanna one, I knew that it, I wasn't like doing a show with Eminem. Like, it was right, the right. after party. And um, actually, Royce performed at that. It was like Royce and uh, Royce and um, uh, uh, Alchemist were like the oh, headliners yeah, yeah. at that at that show. And then – the Jay Z, Justin Timberlake one. I can't even think of who was on the after party besides me. But it was like, that was like both. It, it was kind of smaller, whatever. Um, yeah. 
but the the Kendrick one was like like you said it was like peak Kendrick like right after Good Kid Mad City like mm. it was crazy um that one was like I was most um you know in sh not in shock but like I was most like excited yeah. for that show and I'm really mad because they didn't let like they had these stupid rules where you weren't allowed like the opening acts couldn't have uh videographers on stage or whatever so like I barely yeah. have any like I have a few pictures but I don't have really any content of showing the me opening you know what I mean like yeah. Kendrick which was dope which but, was like a huge moment yeah right but I did get a lot of dope footage from the Eminem Rihanna after party because that ended up that was a big show too yeah. um yeah, and that that one I have a lot of footage on, yeah. which was sweet. Yeah, that that's dope. That's dope. Um, so, so now, um, you know, I've searched for interviews, um, of you in prep for this podcast. I never found an answer, um, because like I said before the podcast, I had kind of, I had been a fan since twenty twelve. I kind of, you know, when I started launching the hip hop podcast, I kind of fell out of sync with your music, and I got, and then got. Um, then got back in sync with your music. And so during that time, you changed your name from like Drew 32 to Drew Parks. And so yeah. I wanted to ask, I, I, I found something that said, you know, you posted about it, but I couldn't find the original post. Um, so yeah, tell me I think because I changed my website, the link probably died. Yeah. Yeah, I um, basically, I had always kind of, I, I went by Drew 32 for the longest time because 32 was my favorite number. 32 was like my basketball jersey number growing up. And it was like that. Same with my shout out Rip Hamilton. Right. Shout out Rip Hamilton, Carl Malone, uh, Dr. J and the ABA. Anyways, um, I, uh, <laughs> I, you know, Magic Johnson. But anyways, yeah. I, um, I always went by 32, Drew 32. And then I decided that like, it it just kind of because it rhymed it just I it always sounded a slightly corny to me but at the time I was like like I said I started rapping when I was a kid like I was mm -hmm. 10, 10 years old when I started using that name so um you know throughout high school some kids who were like hating on me whatever they would tease Drew thirty two you know whatever yeah. like it's just it was easy to to mock the name okay um even though a lot of you know I was getting a lot of love from the name too and you know whatever but like it was just kind of i just kind of felt like a little bit like i was outgrowing the name a little bit right so finally i kind of just decided you know i'm just gonna go by my real name like kind of how kind of in, in in inspiration from kendrick changing his name from k dot to kendrick lamar it was kind of right. like he just decided to go by his real name um and so i kind of just decided i'm gonna do the same thing so keep it real real name no gimmicks <laughs> so, uh, so, so, okay. So, I find that interesting as to when, because as True Thirty Two, you're an established artist. Uh, everything you know, we talked about before. Then is stuff you did under the name True Thirty Two, and so then, you know, you transition. Like I always find that interesting as an artist. Like, you know, you you mentioned the famous K Dot to Kendrick, and you know, a lot of a lot of artists change their name. And it's really, um, I've always just found it interesting, like the timing of it and, and why, like, um, yeah. you know, when you kind of build a brand as one name and, and, you know, brands are everything as an artist. So it's kind of, it's kind of always interesting me. So, um, do you have any insight as to why like artists often do it? Cause I mean, you did it yourself. So I'm wondering if, you know, maybe they had the same reasons yeah. you did or. 
I've read. I, I think I heard Mac Miller changed his name before he was Mac Miller. It yeah, was like easy something Mac. Else. Yeah. Um, I know. I don't know. I mean, I think that most in most cases that I've heard of, I felt like okay, I was glad that the person changed their name. <laughs> like, right. like, like in most cases, um, I'm trying to think because most people's first name it just is never. It's never that good. good. Like, actually, I don't even know if you know. Do you know Rose Spit? No. Oh, he's like, okay, Rose Spit. He, he, shout outs to Rose Spit and 14KT. They just dropped the album. They're from, Rose from Pontiac. I don't know where 14KT is from. I think he's from Detroit. But either, anyways, they just dropped a, a, a joint album called Rose Gold. And Rose is like, he, he's co-part owner of uh, Burn Rubber and Royal Oak and stuff. He's, you know, he's really connected in the city. Like, a lot. he's pretty well known. And, um... His name actually, he had a, he changed his name back in the day. His name was Octane before, um, before it was Rose Spit. So a lot of people have changed their name, um, and I don't really know necessarily the inspiration behind every single one. I just know in my case, I just felt like I was outgrowing the name, and I just wanted to. I thought that the new music that I was making was a lot different than some of the early stuff that I had released. Like, like I said, I started rapping when I was so, such a young kid. And a lot of the like my current stuff sounds so different than that that I just wanted to like, okay, that was all Drew Thirty Two. Now, now moving forward, this is this is Drew Parks. You know what I mean? So yeah, that kind of it it kind of was like a new chapter in my career. I guess was the reason why I changed it. Um, I'm sure Diddy has a million reasons why he's changed his name, (laughs) but um, I don't know. I mean, there's there's different reasons for me it was just kind of like a different chapter in my life different chapter in my career i decided to change the name it is super risky though like because a lot of people knew me as drew 32 um everything that i'd done up to that point was drew 32 like every interview every song every album every youtube video like it's a lot to change and um every social you know media account handle like i had to like make sure to get a new one and like I don't know. It was just it was it was a big hassle, but like I think it was worth it in the end. I'm glad that I did it. Um but it was it did it did probably hurt slightly in terms of like exposure and branding. It probably did hurt initially, but I think I think now um the people who've stayed with me and people who will be following me from, you know, in the future moving forward, like I think that they prefer probably my real name <laughs> other yeah. than Drew 32. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, all right, so I want to ask you a question, and this is interesting because you're kind of the perfect artist to tackle this. So okay. um, you're an established artist uh, before the takeoff of the streaming era of music. Like like you said, you know, you by by this point, you've, you're already established before streaming really kicks off, and yeah. you're kind of like in the middle of your career. The whole industry's just kind of been revamped by the streaming era of music that we're in. So how big of an adjustment was that for you? And did you find yourself having to make adjustments in order to adapt to that? Like just how much did streaming change or uh, change or alter your career? I think um, looking back at it, it's like one of those things where it's like, uh, it's obviously a huge change. And I'm really mad that all of the stuff, all of the content that I've been putting out before a lot of it was, you know, a, a lot of my stuff that I was putting out was like mixtapes mm-hmm. and really the mix, you know, the mixtape is kind of dead now. 
people don't really put out mixtapes anymore because of streaming. Yeah. And it's like, are people real, really still going to Dat Piff to to get mixtapes and download them and then download the zip file and then un unarchive it and then only the diehards like me. <laughs> right. Exactly. But for the most part, nobody's yeah. doing that anymore. So all of my stuff was like on Dat Piff and like stuff like that. So I am kind of like really upset about like I would probably have thousands of more followers on my Spotify had all of that stuff been out on spot. You know what I mean? Like yeah. If I was able to, if streaming was out earlier when I was really putting out all my mixtapes, like right now I just have one project on Spotify. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like kind of, it's kind of tough. So now it kind of looks like from an outsider's perspective or a first glance that you're, exactly. you're a new artist. Exactly. As opposed so, to all the groundwork you laid before. Right. So it's kind of, I'm in a kind of screwed up position, but I've, you know, totally accepted it. I like, I like streaming way better. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I, yeah. it's way more convenient. So I am just kind of not going to, you know, hark on the, on, on the past, but I will, I'm going to be looking towards the future. And what I'm planning to do is I'm taking everything off of that piff and taking everything off of all, you know, my other platforms and kind of going to put them all, you, you'll see what I'm going to do. I, I'm basically going to do like a, because some of the songs that I had samples in it, some of the stuff like the right. remixes, covers, I can't necessarily put out on, you know, officially for sale, whatever, on iTunes and Spotify. But the ones that I can, I'm definitely going to put all out again, like as a as like a throwback kind of like, hey, in, in case you missed it, these are the, you know, these are the tracks that I had out before. And I'm going to drop like 40, song, 40 yeah. songs or something, you know what I mean? Something crazy like Chris Brown and uh, and put it all out at once so people can like kind of play catch up and, and see what they missed. And then that will lead up to, you know, whatever my next project is and stuff. So that that's kind of what I'm planning to do, um, because all of the majority of my content is not on streaming yet. Yeah. Like I need to really go back and, and put it on there. Yeah. And, and the interesting thing that you brought up is how like the kind of mixtape is is dead. And if you think about it, you know, like you said, if if we're being real technical, not everything could transfer because, you know, you had some samples and whatever. But ideally, if you're an artist now, if you started your career now where it followed the exact same path, like you could have actually gotten revenue off of those mixtapes, even though you're still giving it for free, essentially. Right. So exactly. So that's exactly. another downside of it is that you weren't able to actually like now artists can actually make real money off of a mixtape um exactly you know well maybe not real money because the streaming pace sucks i've done <laughs> i've done several exactly. school projects on how terrible it is man it's it's ridiculous yeah exactly exactly but i mean it's it just i don't know i mean it's one of those things where i think eventually the pay i'm hopeful that the pay will go the market up will correct bit. itself yeah because i think i think eventually everybody's just going to be paying like I think a lot of people uh, are still need to catch on to streaming. Even yeah. as popular as it is, there's still a lot of people like demographically that just don't, they aren't in streaming yet, and they will slowly but surely be the late adopters to join streaming and pay that ten dollars a month or whatever it is. And when all those people catch on, hopefully the payments go up a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. But I don't know. I mean, it's I, I don't know how to get to make historically artists have never been paid <laughs> yeah so, so it's like so it's like i i don't know how much 
you know, a few pennies is going to change anything. But uh, I think that the still the majority of money is going to be made on the road and being made from selling merch and from other resources like getting your money, getting your songs licensed in movies and TV and other all the other aspects and ways of getting income as a musician, you know, are going to be the prominent uh, ways. And that but they've always been, though. So yeah. it's like, I don't know. So it's a. Okay, yeah, that's kind of where I was going next. So, like, as an independent artist, and you kind of touched on this, and maybe you, I'll, I'll throw it out there in case you have a little bit more you want to elaborate, but as an independent artist, um, how you feel about the streaming era of music? Like, do you, do you think, you said you liked it from a consumer standpoint. What about as an artist standpoint? Do you think it hurts or helps you? Because in one way, yes, it is a lot more accessible to a lot of people, but at the same time, you do talk about how, you know, a lot of people are way more likely to just download on Apple Music or Spotify, you know, your album than than actually physically buy it. And that's, you know, and they got to stream it a ridiculous amount of times for you to make up that money and everything. So, um, yeah, I mean, so how do you, how do you, uh, do you think it helps or hurts you as an artist? I think it helps because you kind of, you kind of just mentioned it. Like if for someone to get your song, before the streaming era like and they were just on iTunes yeah they would have to you know pay $10 or whatever, or you know if it's just one song they pay it like pay $1 and and download it and if they're and now if they're already presuming that they're already paying $10 a month for right. Spotify or Apple Music whatever or Tidal whatever if they're already paying that then it costs marginally costs them nothing to pl- to play your song yeah. so they're already paying $10 so like to play your song is free so um they're more inclined exactly they're more inclined to discover you and and then especially with the 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 way the playlisting is now like it's just a lot easier to get discovered there's still a lot of gate there's still definitely gatekeepers who control those playlists or whatever but like if you can get on them like it's way better like it's just it's the 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 sky is the limit really yeah. Man. So I I prefer the streaming era. Of course, in the short term, if you're if I was just trying to make money really really quick, of course I would just try to convince as many people as possible to pay ten dollars to download the whole album, or whatever. But like, I don't know. Yeah. I think it's easier to access something that's you know streamable. Yeah, because that's true. Because I mean, albums and CDs and stuff are only on the shelves for so long, as opposed to streaming, which is a digital, which is forever. Right, so, exactly. Um, so yeah, that's a very interesting point. And uh, to bring up your point about playlists, actually, the last podcast I'm re- I'm recording this on Tuesday, and um, earlier this morning I uploaded an interview that I had with a Spotify playlist curator because oh, I really? find I, yeah I find that very fascinating. Um, uh, I find I find the whole numbers. Need to give me his info immediately. I'm just yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, definitely. And um, <laughs> I'm just I'm uh, kidding, but kind of not kidding. No, nah, yeah. man. All right, listen, listen. I'll I'll I'll, I'll slide it. I'll slide in the text message after the after the yeah, show. Yeah, for, sure, but, for um, sure. but yeah, um, so he was talking about just how like if you get on, they have this playlist. I'm sure you've heard of it. It's like the rap. It's on Spotify. It's called Rap Caviar. Yeah, Rap Caviar. Like, if yeah. you get on that, you know, you're basically, it gets millions and millions of streams a week, so you're basically guaranteed, like, 10000 bucks or something, or, like, ridiculous amounts of money, like, off-rip, yeah. if you're just on the playlist for one week. And yeah. so, um, 
So yeah, so like the playlist, that's interesting because I think they are kind of the new gatekeepers. Not to get too off topic here, but uh, but yeah, yeah no, that's sure. a big um, big part of streaming. Nowadays. I think I follow, I follow this dude who I think is the curator of Rap Caviar. This dude is like really? low key the most important dude in hip hop, but nobody knows who he is. But I follow him on Twitter. <laughs> No, they're, they're seriously very powerful. Playlist yeah. curators are super powerful. That's why I was excited to do that interview because that's something that I don't think a lot of people are, are aware of yet, just how impactful they are. But uh, but artists like artists like you, artists know that that's the real deal. Oh, yeah. That's the new radio. I mean, that's like yeah. the, that's the equivalent of having your song on like every top 40 radio station for a mo- like a right. month. I don't you know what I mean? I don't even know yeah. like in heavy rotation. You know what I mean? If you're on that, if you're on rap caviar for a week, that's millions of plays, bro. Yeah. Like that's a lot. Like it's not a joke at all. And you still get like five dollars because streaming pay sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's not talk about the pay, but yeah. you get the exposure, which will lead to pay. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. All right, so, um, so, uh, so, what exactly is next for Drew Parks? What's the next plan for, uh, for music? Yeah, I've been on a I've been on a bit of a hiatus since Away We Go because I just had a lot of to get, I had to get my life together in some ways, whatever right. over the past year or so. But um, I'm in the immediate future. I'm working on uh, hopefully before the year is up. I want to like I mentioned before, I want to put out a project that's like kind of recapping all my old material that people mm-hmm. may have missed over the years. I want to put that out, get that on all the streaming services and everything, and then shortly after that. The project with myself and Andre Drummond from the Pistons, that EP uh, will be dropping sometime soon. Um, okay. We, yeah, that's kind of a that's a new thing that that's in the near future. Um, and then in the meantime, I'm just starting to record and get my get my new get a new project of my own like solo material um, together. So hopefully that. Hopefully the Andre project and my my own project that will be 2018 for sure. Um, but that that's kind of what's going on in the future right now for awesome. me. So. Awesome. All right. So uh, if you're cool with this, I just want to hit you with a few more rapid fire questions, and then we'll uh, yeah, we'll get sure. out of here. So, um, what is your favorite venue in Michigan to perform at? Um, I I, I think I will say the Fillmore. The film the film that's where I did. That's where I did the uh, the Kendrick show and the the Eminem Rihanna after party. I actually haven't dope. been there yet. I bet. Yeah, it's a dope. It's a dope venue. I mean, there's probably better ones, but in terms of that that the ones that I performed at, like yeah. that was my favorite for sure. Yeah, man. I I went to the Jay Z last week or two weeks ago now. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, dude, you gotta find a way to perform at at the little season arena like that is i felt like i was at the best stadium in the world and i've been there for piston games you know uh but like for concerts like the way they can do the lighting and the stage maneuvering and everything is so crazy it's so oh, out okay. of this world you gotta yeah, at gotcha. least see a performance there yeah like, for sure when, when you, you see one you'll you'll know exactly what i'm talking about like you're gonna be like damn i gotta get there um, okay but yeah, I, I enjoy, uh, I've been to Shelter, I've enjoyed the Royal Oak Music Theater, I've went there a few times. Yeah, um, I, performed at, I performed both of those places, yeah. Um, and I like St. Andrews, of course, too. Yeah. St. Andrews is legendary. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so the sh- above, you know, the yeah. upstairs of, sh- of the Shelter, yeah. Yeah, um, alright, so uh, so who are some of your favorite artists of all time? I know you mentioned Royce and M, um, and then who are some of the kind of current artists that you like? 
Um, of all time, I would say Royce M, Kanye, uh, Nas, Jay Z, The Game. Um, I love The Game. So underrated. Damn, who else, man? I don't even. Uh, Andre Three Thousand. Um, of course. Oh, Tupac, Biggie. Of course, I can't. Yeah. Remember, but really, super Tupac. Like I'm, I'm really yeah big into uh, into Tupac. And then currently, my favorite artists are. Uh, I like Kendrick. I like Joey Badass a lot. Joey's I like, cool. Um, I am still getting into. Um, I'm still getting into uh, Anderson Pack. He's amazing. I've heard some dope, dope stuff that yeah. I'm like, damn, like I was sleeping on him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, right now, oh, 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 Childish Gambino, of course. Oh Childish yeah, Gambino. yeah, yeah, of yeah, yeah. His album was crazy. Um, who else dropped an amazing album this year? Uh, oh, oh my God! I'm not. I can't believe I'm about to say this. Jaden Smith dropped yes. a dope album, bro. Yeah, I'm. I I'm about to review it. that. That's that's a crazy album. Yeah, the, I would say my favorite, like the what I've been playing lately. I've been playing Jaden Smith. Yeah. Joey Badass and Childish Gambino have been the three. I know. I know Childish was like last year, but like, yeah. I still. I still it still gets rotation. Oh yeah, man. That that yeah. album was incredible. Um all right, so um so what's the what's the one feature from an artist that you want the most? What's the bucket um, list uh feature? Um I don't even know, man. That's a tough one. I mean, it changes like of course I would Eminem, of course, but right. it's like yeah, I mean, that's crazy. Uh uh Kendrick, I would say. That's dope. That's dope. I would say Kendrick. Uh, that would be that would be amazing. Okay, so I mentioned this off air, but for the listeners, uh, the concert I'm referencing where I found you is uh, you opened for Chris Webby at his Bars on Me tour, and that was at the legendary yeah. hip hop spot, The Shelter. John yeah. Connor came by too, um, and that was one of the best concerts I've ever been to. So, I know you struck up a friendship with John Connor. I'm not sure if you're uh, about Chris Webby, but are you still in contact with either of those, those artists? I haven't talked to John in a while. I um, I do still keep in touch with him occasionally. Um, I just know like he's been in L.A. It seems like the last few times I've talked to him, he's been in L.A. because he was working on with album Dre. mode for like four years. Right, he was working with Dre, and I know he was on that that Compton album. Yeah. Um, I don't know, I don't, I haven't heard anything about his album. Of course, I'm really anticipating it as, yeah. as is everybody else. But I'll, I'll keep in touch with him like every once in a while, and mm-hmm. then. Chris Webby, I never really got his info at the time, but coincidentally, he's also friends with Dre. So he, not Dre, uh, yeah, not yeah, Dr. Andre, Dre. I'm sorry. yeah, Andre, Andre yeah. yeah, yeah, they got he's that with Andre. thing. Exactly, because of Connecticut. Yeah, and uh, and I just got there was like a group text basically, <laughs> and I got onto this group text with Chris Webby. I was like, "Yo, Chris," I was like, "Do you remember me? I opened the show for you, whatever." And uh, and yeah, he he remembered me, of course. And uh, and so I kind of just recently kind of connected with Chris. So I don't know that that, that was like literally like a month ago that I started <laughs> that, that I was talking to Chris. So it's funny that you bring up that show. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Hopefully I'll I'll link up with Chris sometime soon. I know he just came through. He came performed at the Blind Pig like not too long ago. Yeah, yeah. In yeah. Ann Arbor, yeah. Yeah. Um. So so was that was that night with John? You you said you knew John Connor right before then through the whole MySpace thing. 
at the, at that show at the yeah, shelter? Yeah, that show was like January of 2012. Like it was we had, yeah, we already did the song I am King at that time. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh dope. Okay, so give me one good and it doesn't have to be clean cuz it's the uncensored podcast. Obviously nothing damning, but give me one really good Andre Drummond story. <laughs> oh, man. Damn, I have one that comes to my mind, but I I cannot say it. <laughs> all right, um, all right, man. I'm not trying to get anybody. I'm not trying to hurt nobody's pockets. No, I'm not gonna say. I'm not even gonna say it, bro. I can't even. Um, the the only thing I'll say about Dre is he's a really silly dude. He's funny as hell. Um, and like he likes the most randomest stuff. Like the first time we hung out, like he literally we went bowling. <laughs> like, like literally, but he loves bowling, bro. Like, it's it's crazy. He's actually really good too. So I don't know that it was just like silly stuff like that. Um, he uh, I also one time I went, he invited me over last year to watch the Super Bowl at his house, and I was playing. He has like this ping pong thing yeah. in his basement, and uh, Stanley Johnson was over there too, and we were playing uh ping pong and i think this is still on stanley's uh instagram but if you go to his <laughs> if you go to stanley johnson's instagram he's like there's this video i i think this was on super bowl sunday unless it was like a different time around that time but where i'm playing ping pong against stanley johnson and he just like dominates me at ping pong like this is like he's the greatest ping pong player i've ever faced ever i was like shocked with the fact that stanley johnson is this good at ping pong and he just exposes me on Instagram. He just like has this one shot that just like he hits the ball like way past me, whatever. And uh, and he just I just felt like I got sunned on Instagram, bro. So <laughs> if you find it, it's pretty funny. Yeah. But um, but yeah, that's that's like a, that happened at Dre's house. I don't know. I can't think of anything else that wouldn't be damning. But uh, those yeah. are some silly stories. Just some silly stories. I don't know. Yeah, man. That's why I ask because I hear all these goofy stories about Andre. So, um, so you mentioned collaborating with Andre. Uh, not gonna press you for info, but I do. I do want to know: Can Andre rap? Like, or are you just washing him this entire project? Like, what's the deal? Bro, I'm washing him, bro. No, um, <laughs> no, he's he's actually really good, man. Like, I I definitely did not. There's a stigma about um about ball players who yeah. get into rapping and stuff like that. You know. It's just like it seems like everybody tries to do it and they never do it well. The thing that the thing that I uh that is good that this project is kind of a joint project because I have so many years of experience recording and stuff. So he even though he's kind of new to rapping, like he has a lot of talent and a lot of hunger and a lot of, you know, and I'm kind of helping put the, you know, kind of like I'm trying to I'm basically helping with the recording process and helping yeah. like because I have aspect. experience, yeah. I just like I just know how to put together songs, so right. it's kind of dope. Like it's a really good mix, and we have good chemistry just because we were like friends beforehand. It's not just random. Like sometimes I see joint projects that just feel totally forced, yeah. and they feel like these artists just did this whole thing in a weekend, and it just like whatever. Yeah, but it's like, a money grab. Exactly. So, but this project, it, like we put a lot of time into it, and um, a lot of time during the off season, and. It's really hard. Of course, during the season, it's really hard. You can't really do too much. But a lot, most of it was done over this past off season. Now I'm just really mixing some of the songs and uh, finishing it up. But um, it's gonna be dope, man. You'll see for yourself. Uh, but yeah, he's he, he can rap. He's it's dope. All right, man. I'm looking forward to it. All right, thank 
thanks, Drew, for coming on, man. Uh, before before we get you out of here, I'll let you go ahead and plug your Twitter, your your Spotify, everything everything you want to plug. So in case um, listeners who are just hearing you for the first time know where to find your stuff. Yeah, much, much appreciated. Well, thank you again for having me on, man. My um my no problem, Twitter man, anytime. You got to do it my... again when you have a project <laughs> coming. Yeah, for sure. No, for sure. Uh, my Twitter is at Drew Parks. My Instagram is at Drew Parks. Um, my SoundCloud is at Drew Parks. Uh, just if you just search Drew Parks, you should be able to find me. My website DrewParks.com. That'll link you to everything. If I, you know, if I didn't mention it, whatever. Uh, so yeah, just search Drew Parks and you'll you will find me. Thank you so much for having me on, man. I really appreciate it, and uh, I definitely am, uh, you know, looking forward to checking out some of your other interviews and um following you know following the podcast bro so good luck with everything thank you man i appreciate it and fans as always if you're if you're a first time listener though um i do link all the all the links he talks about in the description so if you miss those real quick um hit the description of the podcast and you will find a link to his stuff as well as my other stuff i do a if you're listening for the first time i do a hip-hop podcast which is this podcast strictly hip-hop and i also have strictly hoop talk which is intertwined so the two are on one podcast feed, and Strictly Hoop Talk is NBA. I've had former NBA players and, you know, people who've worked, who have experience with NBA front offices and stuff um, on the podcast, and we talk hoops. So um, that's, a, that's a really dope podcast. So check out the podcast. It's on iTunes and Podbean. It's Strictly Hip Hop and Strictly Hoop Talk by Chris Platty. And um, if, if that's too much, you can go to my Twitter, which is at RealChrisPlatty. And there you will find a link to my Podbean or iTunes, whichever way you prefer to consume your podcasts. And as always, check out my partners, Dead End Hip Hop and Dead End Sports, who I'm, who I'm partnered with. They, they create dope content as well. Uh, they are some of the best and, and, and one of the best platforms of hip hop in, in, in the genre. So, um, so it's, it's great working with them. They have a bunch of great content. And I know personally that they have some even more great content coming soon. And also their Dead End Sports is interesting as well. Um, I've been on there a few times. You'll see me on there from time to time. But all right, Drew, I'll let you get going, man. Thank you for coming on. This was a dope conversation. And uh, you, definitely have, uh, you definitely have a really interesting uh, story, interesting come up, man. It's dope thank to you, follow. Man. I, appreciate, I appreciate it, man. Like I said, thank you for having me on. It's so funny that you say that because I always have been of the impression like, I don't have an interesting story, but like now that it's all like I have a lot of like dirt under my nails, like it yeah. is it is turned into an interesting story. So I appreciate you letting me be on here and allow my you know allow me to tell it. And uh, thanks to all the fans and all the listeners who checked it out. So appreciate it.